0: I have the honor of introducing Chris Goodnight, who's gonna share with us his story here this morning. So give a round of applause for Chris. Hey, thanks guys. Uh, First of all, it's my honor to be here to uh,
1: be in front of a church family that has taken me in um, with open arms. And uh, let me put this mic right up to my face. Can everyone hear me? So anyway, I was saying uh, thank you so much uh, for being my church family and for taking me in the way that you have. it has meant a tremendous amount to me. Uh, This is an opportunity to share my story, my testimony, uh, how I came to Christ. Uh, I was not raised in a uh, uh, Christ-centered home or a church-based home by any means. Uh, I think it's interesting, uh, the things that you can get uh, from pictures and uh, the takeaways that you have uh, and the judgments or assumptions that you can make so first and foremost, therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven, but blasphemy of the Spirit will not. And um, I am certainly not, uh, not without my faults and without my sins, so. Uh, if we take a look at some pictures, if we go to the next uh, slide, and you were to make uh, some judgments or suppositions, uh, so there's this guy. Uh, when I was 20 years old, I killed my first man. Uh, I uh, emptied a magazine into his chest as he was getting out of his bed. Uh, From that point on, uh, I continued to operate for quite some time, and that was my life. Uh, And that is what I sort of became. Uh, When I came home, after my uh, second deployment, I was alone, I had no one. Uh, I uh, sought solace in a bottle, Uh, and there is no, There is no more readily available uh, uh, hand to hold than alcohol. But that's when that started. So if you take a look at this guy, look at him. He's making money. He has, uh, it looks like his life together, doesn't he? You would never know that this guy uh, was drinking a 12-pack on the way to work every day and then drinking uh, about, I don't know, at least a bottle of vodka at work and then another six-pack of beer on the way home. Weird, huh? You wouldn't guess that. Next picture. Look, he has a wife. He's uh, on vacation. He's in love. Everything uh, seems to be going uh, fine for him. Uh, That wife in that picture had never seen him sober a day in her life. Uh, Never. Oh, look. He has two beautiful kids. He has everything put together. And looking at these pictures, that's what you would think. You would never know that Behind the scenes, there was severe post-traumatic stress disorder, there was alcoholism, there was self-hatred, there was a man who wasn't actually a complete man, he was just pretending. He was playing a part. He wasn't everything that he could be. But he kept on, and with this beautiful family, hey, that's the same guy that is an alcoholic who just finished uh, beating his wife uh, ruthlessly and then fled into the woods and slept by a creek bed. Same guy. That's me. I slept by a creek after I beat the love of my life so that the police wouldn't find me, and she didn't press charges because she loved me. That is the same man that you saw in the other pictures. So pictures don't tell the full story. Not by a long shot. So in one uh, afternoon, after one very, very bad decision, uh, my wife took my kids, took the dog, took the car, packed up what little she could, and left. That same afternoon, I got a phone call from my job. That uh, six-figure income that everyone is so uh, impressed with, yeah, they fired me. I lost everything in a single afternoon. No job, no car, no wife, no kids, no nothing. Just a drunken, broken, sad, sad, absolutely, devastatedly, mentally ill man who was found uh, in his living room by his mother because no one had heard from him uh, after a month of losing everything, uh, in uh, a pile of uh, blood-filled vomit from continuing to drink. Everything was gone. So, it's crazy if you look around or look at pictures on social media or anything else what you think is going on in someone's life uh, isn't necessarily the case. Uh, After I began seeking uh, help uh, when I was found in that state, uh, I went to the VA and I started uh, to work on myself. And one Sunday, I woke up and for some reason, I still to this day can't tell you why, I had no car, I had no means of going anywhere, really, unless I was going to walk, but I had never been to church before uh, by my own volition, ever, ever. I was always dragged by either parents or a significant other. But that Sunday morning, I woke up, and I Googled churches, and I found H2O. I walked two miles that Sunday morning, and I came in here, and I found this family, this amazing church. I probably cried the entire sermon. There was a puddle of tears by my feet by the time I finally made my way out. I have heard about people finding Christ before, The people talk about it. I genuinely felt the hand of God and the heart of Christ touch me that day. Uh, So, from that moment on, I turned my life around. I got a new job, I have a car now. <laughs> uh, I'm talking with uh, my ex-wife, and we're rebuilding that relationship so that I can be closer to our kids. Uh, I actually have an amazing uh, girlfriend who is helping me go through um, this whole process. but. I just wanted to help illustrate in a very real sense, even though you think you're as broken as you can possibly be, that you can't get any lower, that you've hit rock bottom and nobody cares about you, that everyone has abandoned you, God's right there, he's waiting. His hand is literally out there saying, just reach for me. That's all you need to do. God's will. God's love. God's grace. His forgiveness. God. The fact that he could forgive me at all for the things that I've done. To, for me to be standing here right now to talk to all of you is amazing. It's real. His love is real. It's not a platitude. It's not something that you just toss around on Sunday and then carry on with the rest of your life. God's Waiting. No matter what, we all screw up. I've stumbled in my journey through sobriety and everything, but I still ask for forgiveness and God is still there. And I'm still sober and I'm still fighting to walk in his light and by his will. So if there's one thing that I can say that I'm incredibly grateful for, it's that I could stand up here before all of you, humble myself and lay myself bare as a broken, sinful man, and say that I now walk in the light, and it's real. It's not just a thing to say. Christ can live inside you, just reach out your hand. And that's all, thanks.
0: Wasn't that awesome? Wow. So encouraging. So uh, Allison and I, uh, actually at the bidding of my wife, I don't know if she knows this. Thanks, Jana. Jana uh, recommended, we've been talking about there being some needs in our church. And to take a break from the Galatian series and just talk about uh, this topic, how to get refreshed when really you're just tanked. Because I don't know how all of you feel. Maybe some of you actually are in a very good place. But a lot of us feel tanked. And this issue of how do I get revived is really huge for us. Many of us live lives that are way too busy and way too hectic to connect with God spiritually and connect with our own hearts emotionally. And I may be the biggest culprit here we'll see. So we were talking earlier this week and I asked Allison, hey, would you join me here on the stage? And I know, just so you know, I know that you're way more enthusiastic about hearing Allison. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) here's Allison.
2: Well, honestly, it was a battle for me to even here this week. We had sickness um, throughout our whole family. You can probably still hear some of my congestion going on. Um, But you can imagine, I mean, I wasn't feeling great. And then also, I feel like, why me? (laughs) Why me to share this kind of message? Because I feel like I struggle with this every day. And you know, and it's like, And yet at the same time, then I'm like, well, if you look at the Bible, they didn't pick the all-stars. Jesus didn't pick all the all-stars to play those roles. Those were real people with real struggles, and yet they were willing to surrender, and God did amazing things through them. So I'm bringing my five five loaves and two fish, and hopefully God will bless you guys today. So the two quotes, we're going to get right in. The two quotes that I want to share with you this morning to start engaging your minds and your hearts and your souls. are. And the first one is from John Ortberg. The number one issue you will run into is time. People are just too busy to live emotionally healthy and spiritually rich lives. And the second is by Corey Timboon, And it is, if the devil cannot make us bad... He will make us busy.
0: So we have some great things going on in H2O. Uh, Chris is just one example. We have some great things going on. God is moving in our church. But there are also obstacles that we face. And this obstacle may be the most important one. This talk today is mission critical for us. We have some opportunities coming our way that are going to be great, but we must uh, embrace what we're gonna talk about here today. So let's remember what our mission is. Because Jesus died and rose again from the dead, the mission of H2O is to make fully devoted followers of Jesus in the midst of our post-Christian culture. We're not about just being Sunday attenders. We're about living this thing out. We're about loving people like Chris that perhaps have been brought up unchurched. And this takes time. And this takes sacrifice. And this takes investment. And it takes hearts that are alive and excited and impassioned. So we call on all of you here today we hope that this talk is encouraging, that it imparts c- courage. Because many of us need to take some, make some brave choices about how we're going to live. But I also want this to be like a word of exhortation, a, a, a warning of what can happen if, if, we, don't learn, uh, if we don't learn this. So, uh, this is funny, but this is a call to Repentance. This is a call to repentance for the leadership team of H2O that we would set the pace and model lives that are vibrant and emotionally alive and spiritually connected. This is a call to repentance for life group leaders and small group leaders that we would model this for all of our people. And if you're a mom, if you're a dad, if you've got little ones running around your home, if you're married, if you have friends... Your world needs you awakened and alive to God and to your heart. That's really good. Thank you.
2: (laughs) Thank you very much. Okay, um, before we go in any further, how does it feel like we need to pray? Because I can get overwhelmed here and just go to shame because if you're like me... I mean, I'm not batting a 1,000 here. I don't even know that I'm batting 1% here. And so it's like I just need you to hang in there. Fight to stay open and be willing to hear what the Holy Spirit might want you to hear today.
0: And I need to pray because, number one, I'm like Allison, and I can beat myself up. And I want to show you a book I own. It's called Do More Better. Why do I have this book? I'm like the most productive person I know. What kind of dysfunction is it that I would purchase this book? Oh, my goodness. Because the tendency to live harried lives runs very, very deep. And so I find myself, and you may find yourself this with this kind of thinking. Sometimes I have victim thinking. Like, the busyness of life is this tsunami force that I cannot control. I am just helpless, and it's not true. God has endowed us with the opportunity to make decisions, and we hope that you make some today to live a different life. So, if you can lead us in prayer, that would be wonderful.
2: Yep, and before I do, I want to ask you a couple questions to ponder while I'm praying. Will you ask yourself to be willing to be willing today to hear from the Spirit? Will you choose to be teachable today? Will you choose to be expectant that God really does have something that he wants to impress on your heart today? And will you choose to make changes, even radical shifts, in order to follow Jesus' practices? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I just want to acknowledge your presence. Where two or more are gathered, there you are in their midst. And so we want you to move. We want to have faith as small as a mustard seed to believe that you would want to speak to us. And as hard as it is to talk on a topic of time and busyness in a world that is just chaotic, you had things to say about that, and you led so beautifully, and so would we be willing to be willing to be led by you today? Would you give us soft, moldable hearts and ears to listen to you? In your name, amen. Okay. An illustration for us today at H2O. I want you to imagine that this is a hospital. I wanted to have like cool designs and stuff up, but you're just gonna have to use your imagination. <laughs> um, we have people like Chris, who again, thank you so much for being so open and vulnerable with your story. That was super powerful. But he was looking for help. For him, H2O was an ICU unit, intensive care unit. For you, you may need an intensive care unit this morning. Others, you just may need a rehab unit. You're doing okay, but just some tweaks here and there, and might, that might be all that you're needing. And Some of you are the nurses and the doctors that are providing the help that people need. And yet others of you could be the overworked nurses and doctors and staff that are just needing a break because they've worked way too many hours. So take some moments and triage yourself. What do you need today? What we desire to create a safe space at H2O where you can come and get refreshed where you can be built up and ready to be sent out and encouraged and empowered and with helpful tools to battle throughout the week, because it is a battleground.
0: I know for me, when I came to know Jesus at age 17, uh, Jesus changed my life so powerfully, and I began to reach out and help other people. And then there were more people to help, and then more people to help, and then more people to help and something happened to me over time that was disruptive to my walk with Jesus is that my brain became filled with all of these things that needed to get done and so my life became very harried and you all are witnesses of that and i hope that you're also witnesses of how the holy spirit is changing me because he i have worked on this and things are beginning to connect So I I know that I'm the only guy that uh, reads dead English guys, um, like Oswald Chambers, who is kind of my personal hero. Mm -hmm. But he described his walk with Jesus in this way. He said, I want to be uh, carefully careless. I want to be carefully careless and restlessly restful. And, and that is possible. It is possible for us through the Holy Spirit with all of the chaos of our lives to still have a life that is, is glowing and to walk from that abundance of that relationship. So here's what we want to do. We're gonna, uh, we are now in a doctor's office. We are going to give you 10 diagnostics very briefly how to know if something is, is wrong. So my hope is that we all feel very convicted and um, in complete shame here this morning. No, my hope is that, like me, you just go, wow, something maybe is wrong. Maybe something is wrong. So here's the first thing. If when the day is done and you're no longer working, you're still working, like you need to go check your email again, maybe something's wrong.
2: Something may be wrong if you can't stop from checking your social media or email during relationship time, like when you're with a friend or on a date or with your child. How are you doing so far?
0: <laughs> uh, I'm over for 2, just so you know, okay? <laughs> uh, Number three, if you come into a Christ-centered gathering where people that love you and love Jesus want to, want to talk about him and lead you in worship, and you come into this place like Sunday morning or like a life group and you've not prepared your heart at all, then something may be wrong.
2: Something may be wrong if anyone has said to you, hey, I don't want to bother you because I know you're too busy.
0: I personally have never heard anyone say that to me. So. Um, <laughs> number five, if, if you often tell yourself, now we all get busy, right? But if you often have this thought in your mind that, man, I'm too busy and too tired to seek God. I have that at times. But if you have that a lot, then something is wrong. And I want to remind you that when Jesus gave the parable, he gave this parable about spiritual growth. The parable of the seeds. And so what he said was like, we're a plant that is growing, but there are weeds in life that can choke out. They can choke out the life of God. And he said that they are the cares of this life, the pursuit of riches, and the pleasures of this world. And I think it's interesting that Jesus put the cares of this life first as the thing that can choke out the life of God within us.
2: Number six, something may be wrong if family or friends complain about not getting enough time with you or that you seem distracted.
0: What were you saying? Um, sorry. It, number seven, if you don't take the invitation to be filled with the Spirit seriously. So what, what are you filled with? Are you filled with stress Are you filled with anxiety? That invitation says that this is possible. My life could be filled with love and joy and peace. It is possible. We're invited into that. But if we don't take that seriously, then something is wrong in our expectation upon God.
2: Number eight, if you can't take a minute before a meal, we're so guilty of this, to genuinely thank God of his provision something may be wrong.
0: Guilty. I number... Take out your little... Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> what we, we, we had written in there was like Pastor John, you know, because I did a little...
2: I don't do sarcasm very well. I threw well, shade so. on myself,
0: so... Okay, number nine, if you, if you don't take time to pray, or if you take time to pray and your mind is so full that you can't pray, you're too busy.
2: And number ten... If when the day is done and you honestly give yourself, your spouse and your kids, well really yourself in there too, but your spouse and your kids and friends leftovers and that's all you have to give, something may be wrong. (sighs) Take a breath. So how'd you do on your diagnostic? Are there any areas of concern? I know for me there were, like we already called ourselves on. On, out on that, and so let's talk about treatment. Is there a practice from the way of Jesus that can help you with this? Is there a practice from the way of Jesus that can help you with this? Are there spiritual disciplines that set you up to thrive right in the middle of the chaos of your life? The answer is yes. Jesus modeled this lifestyle, and we want to be apprentices of Jesus and follow after him and walk after him? And what do we want our legacy to be, hurried, frazzled, distracted, or present, empowered, and warriors?
0: So we're going to look at Jesus' example, and the the context for the uh, section we're going to look at in Mark 6 is this. Jesus has sent his disciples out on a mission trip. I've been on about six And they're beautiful, and great things happen, and they're also depleting. And so the disciples are coming back to touch base with Jesus after a time of depletion. Mark chapter 6, verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And by the way... Jesus, when he sent them out on a mission trip, was leading the Jesus mission all by himself. There were masses following him. He was constantly tending to the needs of people. Verse 27 gives us the backdrop of what happens. Immediately, the king sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in the prison and brought his head on a platter, and gave it to the girl, and the girl gave it to her mother, who is behind this conspiracy and this murder. The disciples are returning from this mission trip. They're full of joy, but also depleted. And then Jesus needs to pull them aside and say, Listen, something horrible has happened. A good friend of yours has actually been murdered. And I want you to think about how depleted they would have felt, how disillusioned, maybe disillusioned with God, even in the presence of Jesus. Like, what's going on? Why did he allow this to happen? Think about the exhaustion and the disillusionment. And then check out what Jesus does here, verse 31. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest for a while." For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And I want you to see two things here. I want you to see how much Jesus is caring for people's needs. Like, especially if you're new here, I want you to know that your life matters to God. Jesus himself is missing meals in order to talk to people about the Father and how to connect with him and about forgiveness and about living an abundant life. He's sacrificing to be with people. But then in the midst of that sacrifice, seeing the look of fatigue on the disciples' face, he says, all right, it's time for us to go away. He models what we're talking about here today.
2: And both are important. Let's make sure we have our apprentice hats on here. Don't miss this. Jesus leads by example. He models his life practice here. Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest for a while. All the needs were still calling out. There were still tons, there were still multitudes, and yet Jesus knew the necessity of rest. As apprentices of Jesus, we've got to take a serious look at Jesus's practice of rest. Rest was an unmistakable rhythm of Jesus' life that we are not maximizing in our own lives. We often talk about the pros of the modern digital area or the digital age, but we rarely talk about the cons of living at this pace of life the constant state of busyness and necessity to maximize every minute of every day, and what it's doing to our hearts, our minds, and our bodies, and our very souls. Jesus' ministry was exploding, and Jesus says, Hey, let's go on a vacation. At another point in his ministry, they couldn't find him. At another point, the crowd was about to make Jesus king. And he's like, I think I'm going to go pray for a while. <clears throat> Jesus knew the value of rest, and I want to show you a Greek word. Aremos. Aramos. It means a quiet place or desolate place, or wilderness, or solitude. We need to carve into life's rhythms, places of aramos. I know I do. Wilderness is not a place of weakness, which is what I've thought before. It's not weakness or discouragement, it's a place of strength. Aramos gave Jesus the capacity to take on the devil. This gave him clarity on his identity and his calling, it helped ground him and center him. It helped him know what to say yes to, and more importantly, what to say no to. A common habit if we look at Jesus' life and ministry is that the busier and the more hurried and more famous he got, the more he withdrew. He needed more Aremos. For me, and probably you, At many times, it's the exact opposite. When we are over busy and people are vying for our time, the quiet place, the Ramos, is the first thing to go, rather than the first thing to go to.
0: So we want to offer you here this morning seven rhythms for your consideration, seven ways to have an Ramos moment. First one is this, to commit yourself to the five-minute challenge. Let me explain this, I blogged this uh, last week and I would say it is the single most important rhythm in my life and and that is saying a lot. So when I wake up in the morning, I am functionally atheistic. What I mean by that is that prior to coffee, that's my first thing, uh, prior to having my heart revived. I'm not sensing God moving in my life. I'm not happy with where I am at. And I get my cup of coffee and I walk outdoors and I begin to say, God, thank you for the cross. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the scriptures. Thank you for my church family. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my kids. Thank you for how you're moving in my life. And I go on and on and on. And let me say this. After one minute nothing much changes. After two minutes, nothing much changes. Have you ever given thanks for five minutes? Something magical begins to happen. As I press into this and I remind myself of all that I have going for me, I realize I'm the most blessed man on the earth. That's the way I think. There's a song by a Christian artist from long ago, way before your time. Bob Bennett is his name. And the song is called Madness Dancing. And there's a lyric that says, in the middle of this madness, I am dancing. And he describes this discipline, this five-minute challenge of just showing gratitude to God.
2: Second is carve out moments to pause. Pause and breathe. They can be called sacred spaces. For me, it's more like three minutes. (laughs) That's how spiritual I am. Um, But seriously, like three minutes of my day sounds like, oh, I could give that, and yet sometimes, like, I don't know if I have three minutes. I got, I have 12 alarms before 9 a.m. to try to keep us all this train going. It's pretty insane. You need this book. <laughs> I do. Um, but when when we've done this, we've tried it at Radiant. We've done it at um, Life Group. Three minutes can actually feel like a lifetime to just stop and breathe and and just be quiet before the Lord. And sometimes it's him like speaking in a way where it's like, okay, you got this. And other times it's just like, of focusing, and I need you. I can't make it another minute in your spirit without you.
0: The third rhythm is observing the Sabbath. Um, You know, back there in the Ten Commandments, it's one of them to take one day and to not work and to remember that God is in control. And so, for me, when I've walked which I am now, in taking a Sabbath, it's just so transformative. It is the best day of the week for me, for sure. I'm reminded of the episode when Jesus was walking through a field, and he and his disciples plucked uh, grains of corn from the field, and the religious people came up running after him and said, you're breaking the Sabbath, you're harvesting, you're doing work. And Jesus said, uh, the Sabbath man was not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. God created this rule knowing that we need to take time off to rest and recover.
2: Four, make time to dig into Scripture or read Scripture. I know for a long time that was a real struggle for me, and it really was a point of like I was paralyzed because I felt like I, I don't know that I can do this. And I've always wanted to read through the Old Testament. And just a plug, get a friend who wants to do the same and ask for help and do it together. It, I'm now in John, um, starting from be, the beginning of Scripture, Old Testament, till to now in the New Testament. And it's, like, so empowering because I don't know that it's, like, my goal wasn't to understand it all. The goal was to kick Satan in the face and say, no, you don't get to own my time. You don't get to own my life. And so this is something I want to do. I'm afraid to do it. And so Rebecca, would you help me? Would you be my accountability partner? And we did it. And so we're, we're going to finish um, probably in about 60 days.
0: That's awesome. Uh, number five, do a weekly heart check with a friend. Like, are you guys doing that where you have a, a, a friend that you look to on a consistent basis, and just say, how is your heart? We have that built into our church leadership, actually. Every week at our staff meeting, we have a heart time where we just say, how are you really doing with your heart? And here's why this is so important. People that have a servant's heart serve, and they serve, and they serve, and they serve, and they serve. And then one day, one of us puts our finger on their pulse, and we find that they're gone. So it is important to have a friend in our life that will check in on, on us and just say, really, how is your heart doing?
2: Create digital boundaries. It's so challenging. We um, would love to do a family reset with this. It's so hard because technology was supposed to help us, but instead it addicts us and it pulls us in and it just gives us more ways to maximize and squeeze every single second out of every single day, and that's not the way we were made. We need to look closely at what's helping and what isn't and come against the worldly mentality and epidemic of distraction that says this, i.e. whatever yours is, Netflix, binge, watching, eating, whatever distraction you choose will refresh me. It may give your flesh a break, but the noise of the modern world makes us deaf to the voice of God.
0: Which leads us to the last one, which I can't say without a little smile. Go to bed earlier. Um, I have kind of misled some of you. I've, I've shared that I go to bed at like nine or so, and I've poked fun at myself saying that I do this because, you know, I'm getting older because I'm now 29, and... Um, <laughs> And that's actually not the truth. I I go to bed earlier because I, and I I don't want to share this in a guilty way, okay? I go to bed earlier because I have an appointment in the morning. I I love Jesus, and I want to walk with Him. And so, I I know that there's some fierce competition to His work in my life. It's fierce, man, because Netflix is so entertaining. And Jesus, honestly, is not that entertaining. He's life-giving. And so, for me, I have this choice, like, well, I could watch Netflix for a few hours, or I could just go to bed and get up and have some time with God. It's a hard choice, but that is why I would encourage you to consider that last point. Verse 32. Verse 32. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now, many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot ahead of all the towns from the towns and got there ahead of them. And the disciples, here they are, they're doing a getaway. They're trying to get refreshed. And what happens? People. And the disciples are like, crap, not people again. We're trying to get away from you guys. We're trying to recover. And I love this because you, as you begin to forge your way forward to being healthy, it will be challenged. It will be opposed. It will be difficult.
2: When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. Look at Jesus here. We want you to see two things. First, Jesus somehow got revived in the middle of doing life, like he was just on his way out, and yet he's now like, okay, he has compassion on them. That's really interesting. The text doesn't say anything here about the Holy Spirit, but I want to remind us all that when Jesus began his ministry, the Holy Spirit came upon him. If the Son of God needed supernatural empowerment, don't we?
0: I want to skip a verse in Philippians and go to a verse in uh, Ephesians. Ephesians tells us to redeem the time for the days are evil. And let me put this in my own words, is that the flow of life is to get busier and busier and more crowded and more full and to reach a point where it's like, I got nothing. I'm on fumes here. There's no life of God going on inside of me. And the way I read this verse... For most of my life, up to about two weeks ago, for the way I've read this verse is cram more and more into your iCal, into your schedule, redeem the time, make the most of your life. But that's only left me depleted. I think what it's really saying is this, bring beautiful moments out of your everyday moments. Take the time to hug your wife, your kids, to pause, to remember God, to soak in the goodness in the middle of the craziness. About a week ago, maybe two weeks ago, I was feeling depleted on a Sunday afternoon, which I can often feel. And my son and I were talking, and I could tell, man, he needs dad time. The voice inside my head was, I got nothing, I just, I got nothing for you. He went upstairs to take a shower and I heard another voice. And that voice was more like, you're okay, you got this, move into this. My son came back downstairs, I said, listen, let's take tonight, you and me, let's just hang out, let's play catchphrase, except no words, we're doing charades, catchphrase. And we spent the next two hours, and I have to say, I spent more time laughing with my son that evening because I was willing to slow down and tune, like I said a week ago, tune the radio dial of my heart into the Holy Spirit and to follow His leadership to make a beautiful moment when I actually felt tanked, and it led to me feeling revived right in the midst of the craziness. We have some illustrations that we'd like to pass on um, to you. Uh, We're only going to have time for one, and so I'm going to share this illustration, and then we're going to move into worship, and Allison is going to close us in prayer. Uh, This illustration is the illustration of the ox, so go to the next one, please. Uh, just curious, how many ox uh, owners do we have here today? Um, okay, so we do. No, we don't. Um, so Jesus was relating to his culture, and he gives this illustration of oxes, oxi, oxen. There we go. And so when, to, when oxen are plowing a field, they have a yoke between them, and it's adjustable. And there is a big ox and a smaller ox. The big ox carries the burden. The smaller ox is called just to walk beside the bigger ox as they do life together. And I want you to look at Jesus' words here, which I find startling and provocative. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. How many of us feel rested? Rested. This is the Savior of the world saying, we can do life differently. I will give you rest in the midst of it. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. Learn what was just modeled this morning. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is easy. Is light, and I know for me, I am often carrying way more than I ought to. While Jesus, in the middle of life, beckons, there's another way of living. Depend on me. So I want y'all to lock eyes on me here for a minute. What would it look like if you're married? What would it look like for you to go home with your spouse and say, "Let's take this seriously." Let's talk about how we can protect one another better. Do we do the Sabbath? Do we do the five-minute gratitude thing? What do we do? What would happen if friends would text friends after this talk and say, I just need to ask, how is your heart doing? And can we check in on one another more often? What would it look like if from this forward, we would take Allison's illustration of creating sacred space into our life group communities, and we would pause and dial down the noise so that we can hear our God speak to us. We are able to change, and Jesus beckons us to do so. So, can you stand with us? Allison is going to pray, and then we're going to move into worship.
2: Heavenly Father, thank you that you didn't leave us here alone, that we have the same power that raised Christ from the dead living inside of us, that we are not victims of our lives, that we can do all things through your strength, through Christ who strengthens me, and that we don't have to just keep filling, just keep doing, because that's what the world is all doing. But we want to be led by you. You led so well. And we want to be apprentices. We want to be willing to follow you. And I know even me this week, I just thought of you being my shepherd and me being the sheep. And it's like when it says, He will make you lie down in green pastures. I know so often I just need to be made to lie down because I just don't naturally stop. And so I just want freedom. I want redemption for myself and for my friends here that we can... Change and we can move and we can create space for you that we can be led by you into those quiet places and that we can be willing to carve into our normal and just ask you what that might be. Thank you for everything that you've spoken to people's hearts today and would you protect it and empower us to just embrace the battle. Um, that you've already won this week. In your name, amen.